Kills Live, aka Team Normal. I'm Liz Winstead, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Moji Alwodeel. Hello. And our other co-host Marie Khan is backlogged working her ass off helping folks access abortion care in this ship time. Coming up on today's show, Ted Cruz is on Team Stolen Fetus, and neo-Nazi Richard Spitzer is on Bumble. Plus, comedian, <laughs> actor, and AAF stand Dina Nina joins us to talk about women in comedy. All that and the big abortion news of the week. But first, Liz, let's take a sec to talk about how hard it is to be in this nightmare. Uh, SCOTUS limbo waiting for the decision to come down. Oh. I mean, I think that like regular folks are like panicking, but those of us who are working in the abortion field, it's like, Mondays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. <laughs> it's just countdown to 10 a.m. And that was my dog shaking. Sorry. It's just what it was. Uh, countdown to 10 a.m. And then you go to SCOTUS blog and then they just start saying the cases. And then I think for me, part of the like, there's a lot that goes through your head, right? Because I don't know how we're mentally going to handle it when the case comes down, but I don't know about you, Moji, but like, then there's a bunch of cases that I didn't know how horrible they were that are coming down where you're like, oh, I guess we're just going to lose Miranda rights too. Yes. All of New York. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, that I didn't realize that was on the, on the block where it's like, all of a sudden that's not a federal thing. And states can just decide if it's going to be a law that you read someone their rights when they get arrested or you just can't really um if you're poor and you're in jail and you have a shitty lawyer too bad for you like what are all these other laws that are like doubly awful what's wild is sort of there is a brazenness <laughs> to like this dismantling of our rights and again i think because we work in abortion i i do focus on that more than any of anything else and so as these cases are coming i'm just like wait i didn't even know i should have started protesting all of this shit i mean granted we should have started protesting Testing when Merrick Garland wasn't seated. That was the beginning of, you know. Where I mean, I feel like I've been protesting my whole life. I am not going to, um, I'm not taking. You're not going to find that point. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm good. And I was never been sitting around being like, maybe Wait I should think about doing something. I feel like I did some things. And I think I'm, I'm continuing to do things. I'm fully like watching this go to blogs when we do it. I'm like, oh, this is doom refreshing. Oh, okay. That's what I'm doing. And then we're on our slacks or whatever, like talking about what we're seeing and literally being shocked while also waiting for the terrible news that we knew was coming. And also watching our various friends who work in the movement who are, you know, um, as you were saying earlier, like we have our work cut out for us. Um, when the decision comes down to really help out with all of the folks who provided the care and the abortion funds, but we'll have jobs. Right. And all these people who are providers in hostile states or people who, who work at clinics in hostile states will just not have jobs and have an unpopular thing on their resume. It's really, really terrifying. That's kind of what's keeping me up at night um, around this right now. Me too. And also reading about, um, 
the states that are just preemptively stopping care and not taking appointments. And like, I just burst out crying the other day reading this article about a clinic that was in a state that has a immediate trigger ban when the ruling comes down. And they're like, we can't provide abortions because I can't be in the middle of someone's abortion and have the Supreme Court ruling come down and have to stop the abortion. Like that's what's happening right now. So they're just like saying no. Politics should not be in healthcare. It is wild that politicians can make a decision about what a doctor can do instantaneously. Like how is this even, I don't know, it's, it's wild. It is. It's wild. But the good news is we have a plan and, you know, we're planning operations, save abortion so that people can at least get their mojos on and learn how they can be helpful. And um, Repro Jobs um, is setting up a fund to help folks who will be displaced when clinics close and helping people with long and short term um, care, uh, financial care. And so we're thinking about it, but it's just a lot to think about on top of it all. And I am also just the gloating from anti-abortion extremists has gotten really bad. And, you know, they're just going to get worse when the decision comes down. So um, also what's wild is anyway, they're just positioning themselves as victims as their victors. It's crazy. (laughs) Always the worst. They're just sore winners, always sore winners, just the worst fucking people. Um, but I have to say that I did laugh really hard this week um, when Jezebel reported a story um, that a friend, a woman who worked at Jezebel, her friend was uh, on on Bumble in Texas. And then Richard Spencer, noted neo-Nazi founder of the alt-right and famous for being the worst person in Charlottesville and also go punch a Nazi. He's the Nazi that got punched. Well, he's on Bumble and claiming to be a moderate. Which, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine you're just looking around trying to find the hot dude to hang out with and you meet someone who says they're a moderate and then you do one Google and you find out he's a white supremacist. Well, I mean, the woman that wrote the article, Laura Bassett, who's really great. She's like, wait a minute. Um, is this the same Richard Spencer? And so she cross-referenced and read the article. We'll put it in the show notes. It's hilarious. So funny. She saw his pictures and she cross-referenced and she's like, you know, you sort of beat your ex-wife and maybe people would like to know that. Also, you say you're a moderate. Are you are you still a white nationalist? And he's like, no, they now hate me. I'm reevaluating everything. And I was like, translation ain't nobody giving you pussy when you are a big fat racist nobody wants to fuck that nobody wants to fuck a nazi like that's a special kind of punched nazis not fuck nazis it's really very simple really very simple richard spencer (laughs) so um i don't know how we do a public service saying if you see this guy on bumble run run for your life but um you know he's one of those dapper nazis too you know, I he love wears this. like Brooks Brothers suits. And um, I love that he went to Duke. He dropped out of Duke. And I was like, it figures you go to Duke, <laughs> considering David Duke was also the head of the clan. Mm-hmm. So you're just on brand all the time. Staying but, you on know, brand. He's got that clean cut um, sort of like Nazi with your pinky up <laughs> kind of situation. That's really I believe bad. they were referred to as fashy. 
fashy. I remember that. Oh, that yeah, he's that cut that they had was fashy. And I was yeah. like, oh, I mean, I'm dating myself. That was like four years ago, parlance. But well, I mean, that was him. I mean, 2017 was his big break. And you know, he was just funded by the um that guy, that Regnery who just funded all the neo-Nazis. And you know, he was um he was a Nazi before being a Nazi was cool. <laughs> You know, he was just one of those people that just like started it all. Groundbreaking Nazi now yeah. on Bumble trying to get laid. And also, if saying you're a moderate gets you laid, God help us all. Like, I don't want to fuck a moderate either, by the way. Like, if no. you're just in the middle of no. the road, I don't want any of that dick either. No. I don't want Nazi dick. Mm-hmm. I don't want middle no. of the road dick. No. Like, it's all a mess. The I'm dating like, apps seem to are, be are like... You would- Antifa communists progressive yeah. out here fighting in the street, punching Nazis. We can talk. Yeah, maybe I have some time for you. Maybe I've got some jaw strength left for you. <laughs> but the rest of it's a it's a no go. All right, should we get to the big news of the week? Let's get to the news. Uh, let's get to some news this week. Uh, Mo, do you want to kick it off? Um, because it turns out twenty three governors who are anti abortion garbage people um, just don't really want to help kids either. Yeah, these sore winners are sore winning all all throughout things. Right. So like we're, we're at this end of row countdown, we're scrambling, we're stressing, we're stress eating. Um, We're trying to figure out what's next without knowing what's next, because we've only seen a decision of draft and we can't do anything concrete until we see a decision. So that's kind of why we're doom scrolling, but um, row, as we know, it is going to be invalidated. And when that happens, half the States in this country will end legal abortion. This is not like I thought this is actually what it, people have laws on record or things that governors have said. So a reasonable question, I think, <clears throat> is uh, what plans are they making to support people who can't end pregnancies and may, you know, find themselves parenting unexpectedly because they can't get in touch with their abortion fund or for whatever reason, they end up going through the pregnancy. Uh, and the answer, Liz, seems to be a deafening not much. Yeah, this whole article that uh, we looked at um, laid out seven of the really good programs that help low-income families, that would help you um, with assistance if you are parenting and you are struggling. Um, And they laid out each of those programs, and then they laid them up against the states who are planning to basically all out ban abortion. And it's let's go through this insane list uh, of HuffPo because paid family leave, Moji, of the 23 states that plan on total ban or almost total ban. How many of those states? Um, The answer is zero, not a single one. Not, not one a them. single state not a single has paid one family is, leave. No. So if you are also not in the legislature's plan, as far as I can tell, no single parenting uh, and something comes up. Oh, let's say you've got two or three kids parenting them on your own. And then, oh, let's just say uh, your parent is ill uh, and you can't take time off of work to care or care for your kids when they're sick. What are you supposed to do? Care for your kid. Pay, pay, recover from pregnancy. Recover I know Amy Coney parent thinks that you just drop it off at the fire station and keep it popping. But uh, just in case you've not known a pregnant person in your life, there's six weeks that we're just supposed to be recovering. And hopefully 
probably bonding with the child, right? For whatever reason. But uh, if you don't have paid family leave and you don't have money, how are you supposed to do that? All right. So no paid family leave in all of these states. That is an outrage. How about Medicaid access or expanding Medicaid so that folks who are, you know, needing some help from the government, like how is that, how is that working out for them when they were especially given like a free coverage by the federal government for years? So how many states, Moj? So this is actually not as bad as the metrics go. It's pretty much most of them except Wisconsin, Texas, Tennessee, South Dakota, South Carolina, North Carolina, Michigan, and Georgia that were like, oh, and Alabama. We're like, we're not interested in this free money. Um, most That's of the a lot of states. That's, That's a lot states. of states and a lot of people live there. But but in the in the 23 was it 23, 23 states that were being looked at? Uh, 10 were like, oh, hell no, we don't have Medicaid expansion. As the metric goes, it's the one they're doing best. That free money the federal government gave them that they are willing to take some of them. But many are not. And uh, the states that I listed are states with a lot of people who, again, it's one more resource they don't have when dealing with an unplanned pregnancy or even a planned pregnancy. Every pregnant person deserves this. Any kind of, everybody deserves it. I mean, this is my whole point in all of this is we do not live in a nation that values pregnancy outcomes, period. And so when you talk about, um, I always say like, that's how, that's how we should look at things. How do you value pregnancy outcomes? If there is somebody Mm -hmm. who is 16 and says, my values say, I am, I want to have this kid and I want to raise this kid, then we should have resources so that this person can thrive and and have a healthy environment with which to raise the kid. And if a 35 year old says, I want an abortion, we should honor that so that they can thrive and go out their life and do whatever they need to do. But we don't. And And in case you were wondering, the phrase for that is reproductive justice. Yeah, (laughs) there's a phrase for that, you know, and um, so we just don't even think about that at all. And universal pre-K, this is one that's just like if you are going to force people into parenting to be able to have universal pre-K so that folks can work, drop their kids off have a break, have the kids also just get some like thriving and learning time enrichment. And, and enrichment and um, socialization. And you that's know? just saying we as a state believe people uh, should be educated and we should start as soon as possible. And just so you know, only five of these states, uh, the states, the 23 states that are uh, that are poised to end abortion, five have universal pre-K, five. 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 That's not even, that's not even a third. And, you know, it just, it, it just sickens me because in those states, thank God those five states do. But like in these other states, they are asking. So if you don't have universal pre-care and you don't have paid family leave and you don't have Medicaid access and expansion, what leg up are you giving families to do anything? You're to forcing do- birth. Yes. And then forcing poverty. Yes. And that just leads to stress. It doesn't lead to good parenting. It it just takes away any kind of opportunity for someone to really be able to enjoy their family, be it. It just makes me sick. And then the child tax credit, like, come on. Uh, and these are the state child tax credits, right? There are federal child, child, child tax credits that people yes. get. But uh, but the state child tax credit, two states have that in the list. Idaho, 
Oklahoma. Everybody else is like, no, you don't get any extra money from the state, even if the state makes you have a pregnancy. No, we're not. And also, let's be honest, the money you get from a child tax credit is a pittance, right? Like, that's like not even going to cover camp. I know this. I have a child. Camp is not cheap. Right. (laughs) School um, is not cheap. Camp is not cheap. Nothing's cheap. Clothing's not cheap. cheap. Nothing's cheap. And so these credits are usually just a couple hundred dollars, which granted are helpful, but like that's not, you can't raise a family on a credit. Well, not to mention when you look at the startling statistics about inflation, you know, if you have a car It's costing $100 to fill your gas tank, you know, trying to buy milk. There's people who are giving are back to like total full on giving plasma so they can make up an extra $600 a month Yep. because buying bread and all this stuff is like crazy. And what happens to people when you're broke? You use your credit cards and then credit card interest rates go up. You get into credit card debt. I mean, for somebody like it is expensive to be poor. It is so expensive to be poor. And to be like, even like adding it to all this shit, like it is heartbreaking when I think about the panic that people are going to feel because we're talking about this, just sort of, you know, kind of laying it out. But for somebody who is experiencing unintended pregnancy right now, they're thinking about these things for real. And when it's a reality for you, it's also really hard to get support and Think about it in a way that makes sense for you because they're forcing you to have an abortion in five seconds and, you know, not giving you any alternatives at all to do it. And so, you know, one of the things too, um, the pregnancy worker protections, like you don't think about this a lot, but like, this is something that how many states have this mode? Pregnancy worker protections, I think 10, nine states have pregnancy worker protections. And these are just the ones that say, oh, you're pregnant. Maybe you shouldn't do the heavy lifting. You're pregnant. Maybe you shouldn't breathe the fumes. And I also, when I thought about it, when I was reading about it, it also mixes with like, when we think of criminalization of pregnancy outcomes, part of why what people can be criminalized is for doing dangerous things. And sometimes the dangerous thing is your job. It just seems like there's a potential for a double jeopardy. I don't know if that's the legal term there that like, that needs to be explored. Um, But yeah, only nine of these 23 states have pregnancy worker protections that just say pregnant workers should be able to keep their jobs and do things that are not especially harmful for them. I also, in the middle of this, want to bring up that the people who are going to be most affected by this are the most vulnerable. Always. Because the people who can get together whatever copay they need for an abortion fund, whatever family they can get money from to get out of state to a place where they could have care because there's still going to be other states where care is going to be available. So the people who will be stuck with these and them being tangible problems that are compounding existing problems are the most vulnerable people in a society or state. You know, it's so important to say that because in America, the average person, not the most vulnerable, the average person is one paycheck away from homelessness. Yeah, That's the average person, right? And so when you take into account all of the other barriers that have come across and then you add the pandemic onto it and all this other stuff, it's really, really hard that like, don't we have any kind of baseline for humanity? And it, it just feels like we don't. And and also, I just want to say, too, the one thing that they left out of this HuffPo article that Moji and I did a little research on was how many of these states, these 23 states that are going to um, roll abortion almost all the way back, have diverted money from TANF and 
and state-run programs to anti-poverty programs, particularly anti-poverty programs, and and diverted that money. And sometimes it's federal dollars they're getting Mm -hmm. to these fake clinics. And the answer is there's 10 states that have um, have these programs or they've diverted and eight out of those 10 states are on the list of states that are going to have a total ban or a near ban on abortion. And so it's um, I was surprised that Indiana, Pennsylvania were the two states that um, that are not in the total ban list, which was surprising to me in the in the 23 states. But um, there you go. But yeah, it makes me feel really upset that not only is there not care, uh, they're taking money out of people's mouths and they're giving them to these multi-million dollar fake clinics. These clinic fake clinics are they like to um they like to talk about them like they're mom and pop organizations, but most of them are actually larger conglomerates, uh, religious conglomerates, and they get millions of dollars that should be feeding um, needy families, and instead they're diverted to talk people out of abortion. Which also, if the abortion is illegal in your state, why do you even need a fake clinic? Yeah, that's the whole thing. What <laughs> services are you providing if people can no longer have an abortion in your state um, and you offer nothing else? Where is that money going to go? And I think maybe that's we should a really give it good to question. people. Yeah, maybe we should yeah. give it to hungry people. Yeah, I think we need to start talking more about that. Like, why do you have so many fake clinics if you don't even have abortion? Like, Thank you. And you're not giving people like exams or childcare. Or, or birth anything. control. Yeah, or birth control. And all you're doing is shaming people for being sexual, having birth control, being queer, um, already having kids. You know, like that's the other thing about these shitty places is that just remember that when you go in there and and if you are pregnant and they and you say, can you help me with my other kids at home? They will be like, no, we're only concerned about your pregnancy. Yep. So um, that is some garbage. And, you know, um, Mochi, of all the states that are on that list, are there any of the states that literally have none of these things, none of these seven things? <laughs> There's not a none, but there are a lot of ones. Well, mm-hmm. not a lot, but there are more than I'd expect that just have one. A lot just are like, Alabama has one thing. Arizona has one thing. Texas has one thing. Arkansas has one thing. Okay, this list is actually bigger than I thought. But yeah, a lot <laughs> of places just have one of the seven things in this metric that they provide to their citizens, um, to wow. their denizens of their states. Um, Texas is another. It only provides one thing. It provides yeah, well, that figures. and nothing else. Um, I also, I lied. Mississippi provides none. Mississippi is okay, the reason we're in this situation provides none of these seven things to their residents. Also, just I just also want to say, too, that like people aren't potting soil, so we shouldn't be in this place to begin with. But like, but you can't act like you give a shit about kids. And, and the babies, if you provide no services for them, if you're going to force fucking pregnancy. So fuck you. And speaking of forced pregnancy and Texas and weirdness, um, I'm going to transition to our next story because it is it combines all of those things together. Mar- Moji's boyfriend, Ted Cruz. Uh, <laughs> He's the love of my life. He's the love I know. of my life. Um, joined a press conference with other fetus fetishists. They it, uh, maybe you've heard of them. They're the radical anarchist lefty pro-life feminist media thirst trap fetus thieves, also known means. as the progressive anti-abortion uprising, a.k.a. POW, which is a terrible 
Seriously, they should call you and then pay you to take that other name you gave them because that was fantastic. Yeah, it's much better. I mean, they just are media thirst traps and they're just the worst. So POW is the organization that we have talked about ad nauseum and we talk about it constantly on our social media, but they're the group of people who have been... um, who had the stole the feet stole some fetuses 115 115 115 fetuses fetuses. we don't know where they came from and then um before they turned them over to the authorities they did a basically walking tour with them to every anti-abortion group so they could make unboxing videos with the fetuses and touch the fetuses and pick up the fetuses and show people what's in the boxes and it was a total fucking disaster and just to give you like an overview of their macabre bullshit, uh, the DC cops said no wrongdoing happened in, you know, it was like people had abortions and then um, a, a facility came to take away the medical waste from the clinic. Like they do everything. And the cops said no wrongdoing was done except for the people who stole the medical waste. Um, and we don't even know where they came from. They keep saying they came from outside of a clinic in DC but there is no proof of that. Uh, the clinic says, nah. The medical waste company says, nah. They're the only ones saying that's where they came from. And also, uh, the medical examiner is like, there is no reason that I should be looking into this because the fetuses uh, were just, we don't know where they came from. And also, you can't do an autopsy when you have like tossed around a fetus like some kind of, you know, circus carnival game, like you can no longer have a legitimate autopsy, even if you wanted to. But the fact of the matter is they still continue this grift. Like, so they had a press conference that Ted Cruz came and spoke at. And it's like so demeaning that these people are just moral free leaders who are trying to push this narrative and get press. And it's important to understand that one of the leaders of this POW organization has done 17 of these clinic invasions where they just walk into a clinic and they won't leave and they're hauled up by the FBI. And there is something called a face violation that was created in the 1990s uh, that's a federal offense to go into an abortion clinic and terrorize patients in an abortion clinic. It's so bad. So um, this person is up on two face violation charges and there may be more in the works coming, but um, 17 times that they've been in. So it seems like it's a bit of a diversion. And this whole reason we found out about these fetuses and why they, I think they turned them over to the cops is because the, the federal government invaded her, the feds invaded her apartment because she was like, under indictment for a face violation. So the whole thing's crazy. So first of all, I want to play some clips from this press conference so we can just like hear a little bit about it. And the first clip I want to play is from the person who started POW and and, um, remember that they're the progressive, um, they're progressive pro-life anarchists. That's what they call themselves. So let's listen to clip one. Forced birth thirst traps. I like that. So what they are forever. Yes. My name is Teresa Bakovinak. I am the founder and executive director of Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, also known as POW. I am also one of the two activists who discovered the five late-term aborted babies who were discovered in a box labeled medical waste 
outside a DC abortion business. I am joined today with Senator Ted Cruz to demand that the Attorney General Merrick Garland investigates the deaths of these babies and their killer, Cesare Santangelo, the butcher of DC. Senator Cruz recognizes the emergency of ending the mass slaughter of our children by big abortion. And it is for that reason I am honored to welcome him here with us today. His ardent defense of these victims and his passionate pleas for justice have been instrumental in giving visibility to these crimes against humanity. Okay, so first of all, how do you call yourself a progressive and have that much enthusiasm for Ted Cruz? Like if you're a progressive, let's say there's such a thing as a pro-life progressive. Not a thing. Everything else Ted Cruz does destroys children's lives. Destroys the environment, destroys everything. It's like, why would you invite him to your thing? I can't imagine if there was some pro-abortion right-wing ghoul, I would be like, no, you have no moral authority to be with me. I don't care if you're fucking, you know, believe in abortion access or not. If you're doing all this other shit that's environmentally unsound and believe in guns and all this other shit. No, that is not okay. Zero clearly speaks to their lack of morality about anything. And the fact that they have no progressive bona fides, they're not progressive. They just got people with weird piercings and they were like, these are progressives. It's literally progressive makeup. It is progressive. I know. Seriously, everything you do, the people you hang out with, there's no progressives at the March for Life. There's no progressives that are invading clinics. Not a one. Ted Cruz, nah, thank you. You've had some trash ass people hanging out with you. So nice try. And then Ted Cruz spoke. And like Ted Cruz, he went on and on about his like, you know, the babies and the this and that and all the other hyperbolic bullshit. Um, but then, you know, he turned the gaslighting up to 11 with this shit. The White House actively encourage protesters to go to the home of Supreme Court justices, despite the fact that it is there's a federal criminal prohibition on doing so while a court case is pending. It's the only time that I'm aware of where the White House, literally from the White House press room, has encouraged the ongoing commission of a felony. It's like, okay, Ted Cruz, there's, you've never, first of all, The Biden administration, not only did they not encourage people to go and protest at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. Why would they? They they literally jumped on making sure that they were extra safe with laws. You know, Biden has never once come out and of all of the times that clinics were bombed, doctors were harmed things that happened. Biden has never once stepped up and asked people to care about the violence that's happening at clinics. But when literally neighbors got some Sharpies and went over to Michael's and got some tag boards, Brett Kavanaugh's own neighbors and decided to peacefully protest, trying to compare that is like insane. Not to mention when, when he said in the soundbite, I, there has never been a president who has who has encouraged people to go and commit uh, felonies 
It's like, I'm sorry. Did you watch TV today? Today. Have you watched TV today? I feel like, the, I, feel like um, I feel like January 6th happened. <laughs> I feel like the entire time the president who basically said your wife is ugly and that um, your dad was somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination. And yet you still got on your knees and put lotion on his testes like a goddamn like Greek cherub. That guy, I do believe, had uh, had some encouragement to part felonious insurrectionist behaviors. Also, Ted Tedster, Biden is anti-abortion. <laughs> he started yeah. his campaign for president right now, anti-abortion. He changed his mind because he's a politician, but we can tell he's yeah. anti-abortion. Yeah, he says it out loud. I'm personally pro-life. But I will defend something. It, it, when you know when. what I'm saying? When? You, when is <laughs> can't that? Wait. We cannot wait. We cannot wait for him to start defending something. Yeah. Not to mention Ted Cruz standing up for stolen fetuses and standing with people who are going to be hauled up on felony charges relatively soon. And also, you have a drought right now, and children are dying in Texas. And also, children were murdered in a school two and a half weeks ago. And also children were dying in an ice storm in Texas and everyone was freezing and you took a vacation to Mexico. Ted Cruz in front of a microphone talking about he will stand with anybody who stands for life is a goddamn empty shelled son of a bitch who, by the way, let's not forget, tried to ban the selling of six or more dildos <laughs> at once, calling it dildo trafficking. So um, fuck Ted Cruz. We'll put oh, you can traffic fetuses, but not dildos. Yeah, yeah it's like a mess. Um, we'll put uh, we'll put the we'll put the link to his press conference and uh, in the show notes. But like it just got me that he would like show up and that they were so excited. Everybody they were excited. Like, everybody in that whole scenario is full of shit. Like like these people, like everyone is full of shit. So I'm tired of talking about the anti-dildo salesman, fake caring of the children person. Let's transition to six degrees of abortion emoji. I feel like, I feel like we need a break from the uh, intense bullshit. And I feel like I want to wipe the floor with whatever you have to give me. So. Oh, well, this is, I feel like Let's this head is, in. I feel really good about this one. This is like classic six degrees. Okay. This is good. So for um, those of you that don't know, six degrees of abortion goes like this. Moji and or Moji and Marie bring a big story from the news. They explain to me the story. And then I have six tries to tie that story to abortion. So Moji, what is happening? Oh, this is great. Um, this is actually good news and really uplifting. This week, several days ago, actually, Jennifer Hudson was the second Black woman and youngest person to EGOT. EGOT is when you get the four major entertainment awards. It's the Emmy, the Grammy, the Tony, and the the one other something. What's the other part of the EGOT? Oscar. Oscar. Okay, yes. And so she got the Tony. And she is now the second black woman um, and in a rare air. They're not even like 20 people who've gotten an EGOT. Uh, so it's exciting. And I would like you to link Jennifer Hudson to abortion. Jennifer Hudson to abortion? Yes. The well, let's see. The luminary. She is the luminary. 
Um, I feel, oh, I can do this. Uh, Jennifer Hudson was on American Idol. Mm-hmm. American Idol was hosted by Ryan Seacrest and Brian Dunkelman before Brian Dunkelman left. And Brian Dunkelman follows me on Twitter. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. Brian Dunkelman, who knew that you were going to serve me well at one point. It's very exciting. I am back, baby, because I I had a controversial one last week. I lost the week before. Ah. Terrible role. That's why I was like, we need to just take it back to we just had to go back to classic, you know, let's get a person, let's six degree this. Her I normal. six degree that one like a motherfucker. <laughs> I did it. It was good. Great. So it was I good. feel really good about it. it. Good. So thank yeah. you, Moji. I am very glad about six degrees of abortion. And uh, you want to tell them about our sponsor before we bring out our guest? I would love to tell them about our sponsor. Attention lawmakers, this one's for you. Listen, We know politicians don't have the time or the stomach to research facts about vaginas or other disgusting body parts they're obsessed with controlling. And that's where Clamorly comes in. Clamorly is the only program made, especially for patriarchal politicians who need a little help now and then writing legislation that erodes bodily autonomy. Clamorly acts as a legislative mad lib that can easily create anti-abortion laws in just a snap. Just pick one of our templates and insert a noun or verb about the reproductive system that supports a Christian agenda. And voila, you have authored your very own piece of oppressive legislation. Clamorly helps you create alternative facts about how IUDs work, whether the body can get pregnant when raped, which hole you pee out of, and Abortion, 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 and more abortion. To start your two-week free trial subscription of Clamorly, use the promo code Faxer of the Devil. You can cancel any time during those two weeks because two weeks is more than enough time to terminate a regrettable choice. Clamorly, the anti-abortion politician's guide to creating model legislation. <laughs> we need better sponsors. I feel we like we need better sponsors. have the best sponsors, Liz. Clamorly, uh, yeah, come on. Clamorly, that's good. <laughs> I like it. Although I feel like it already exists. I feel like that's how they write. It does. It does. It's called the uh, Susan B. Anthony's. I know. It's really, it is. It's, it's, it's hard the to, it's called the Federalist Society. <laughs> oh, yes. Americans United for Life or any one of these garbage people. Um. Well, are you ready to bring on our fantastic guest? I'm so excited to see Me her. Me too. She's a comedian, an actor, and has toured with AAF and is founder of the Lady Laughs Comedy Festival. Please welcome the pride of the Badger State, Dina Nina. Hi, Dina. Hey, Dina. I have to just tell everyone that the last time that I saw Dina <laughs> was I was driving back from Minnesota to New York and I left at five in the morning from Minnesota and I got four hours out of town and went to go get gas and realized that I didn't have my wallet. I had left my entire purse in Minnesota. So I had to uh, pull over 
in Madison, Wisconsin, and Dina gave me money to go about my business so I could get a hotel room and get gas and stuff. It was crazy. It was amazing. I, I, you've never been into my office and I love my office so much. It's my happy place. It's so beautiful. So cute. And, uh, so I, anything I can do, I am, I am all about making sure that the tribe is supported as much as possible, (laughs) you know? I mean, I am just always too. I'm just kind of a liberty gibbet. You know, I just like forget shit places. I make sure a lot of people have keys to my house because heaven forbid I get I get locked out because I often will like, you know, walk the dog in the morning and it's like, oh, I forgot my keys and now I can't get back in. So, yeah, it's a lot. So you save me and your office is super adorbs there in Madison, Wisconsin. And how are you doing? How's it going in Madison? What's happening? Uh, well, I, I am, things are going much better. I'm medicated. Um, and, uh, <laughs> medication is important. Yeah. This, this last few years have been really hard. Like just for you, just for you yourself, only just, you just for me, like <laughs> the universe brought a pandemic because of me, I was about to have good things happen. And then all of a sudden the universe is like, Mm-mm. Um, yeah, so I just have like the last year and a half, two years have just been really hard. And I was second guessing my career choices and um, I got a survival job, which for most people is actually a career job. And I just was like, OK, so I got a survival job and I'm like, this is not who I am. This is not what I want. So I'm readjusting, reevaluating, getting medicated and um, feeling good, feeling my I love again. it. I know so this sounds I, like a great redemption story. Like it, I love talking about um, figuring out which antidepressant is right <laughs> for you because mm-hmm. it's a journey that a lot of people can relate to because yeah. I tried Wellbutrin as my first foray into managing my depression and I took it and it felt like boxing Helena. Like I Uh, literally felt like somebody put me in a tiny cage and I would close my eyes at night and the room, like the ceiling would be right against my nose and the walls would be against my ears. And I would just, I was like, had worse panic attacks. Um, That's a bad one. Yeah. Well, nutrition was not well for you. No, (laughs) no. I I did effects or at first and I, and I had massive panic attacks when I started it. And I was like, I can't. I can't do this. And, and, um, so currently so Celexa Citalopram is my, my drug of choice. Nice. <laughs> you can tell I'm 900 years old now that I just say my drug of choice is Citalopram. No, I love it. Um, I, I'm also, you know what I'm really freaked out by though? Abilify. Mm. That's the oh. drug that you take so that you don't um, so that you, it's like the extra drug. It's like, Hey, yeah. when your antidepressant isn't really working, you take this jump starting pill. So it's kind of like when you're laying on the couch and thinking of maybe committing suicide, take this pill. So it'll get you up and get you out of the house. Then I don't know, maybe towards the knives, maybe not. It's all a crapshoot. <laughs> also the name Abilify just seems, Ableist? I don't know what they're selling. Yeah. I don't know what they're selling here. Yeah, I know. It's like Abilify, defy your abilities by taking this pill. It's very confusing. I don't want anything with Bill in it. Like I'm, I, I'm, I have enough bills. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that's Abilify. fair. I just need to uh, debilify. I guess is what I like would love. I love it. So since you've been, um, you know, doing the smooth moves of 
of antidepressants. How has that changed? Are you teach? Are you still teaching comedy? Um, I literally took off like seven, eight months. Uh, I was, I really was like at the end of 2021, I was just like, I, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like men in comedy are terrible. I don't, I'm, I'm tired of producing. I'm tired of this rat race. And so I just kind of pulled back. And I mean, I've been at 15 years. I haven't really taken a break. So it was it was my first time to really take a break. And that six, seven months really brought home the fact that when I the very few times I've been on stage over that last six, seven months, I'm like, this is who I am. This is what I love. Why? And it had gotten so sour and mixed in with like toxic masculinity and and rape jokes and louis ck and i'm like i am ready to not have that or them define who i am and what i do and how i do it so after like i said taking a survival job that is uh, most people's career jobs i i took it and i was like i'm miserable like mm. I am miserable and I still haven't given my notice. So if anybody knows me that's listening to this, please don't tell my boss that I'm quitting. <laughs> did you find, I, even though like, I know you hate it, but did you find like, okay, this did give me a break. Like, oh, I'm not committed. Like I'm not so invested. Um, I've, never then, made, I've never made so much money okay. and I'm not like rich, but I have a, like I said, a career job and having my financial needs met has been incredible. But the most interesting thing that I found is it's not enough to keep me happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not in alignment with who I am. But I also learned that, you know, I, I went through this phase where I'm like, Oprah is fucking bullshit. Like <laughs> Oprah's like, Follow your dreams. Do what makes you happy and money will come. And I'm like, that, that, no, <laughs> not it didn't. <laughs> I was doing things that made me happy. And and so I don't know what things look like. And and for somebody who, you know, produces and, you know, does all this stuff, like, I want to know what it looks like. I want to know what my events going to look like. I want to know what my life, you know, like I want to know a little bit. But this is the first time I'm just like, OK, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I feel go like to work, get a paycheck, yeah. figure it out. Well, I remember. I think. Oh, go ahead, Manji. I was just saying. I work. For, I remember working for someone once, and she was like, "You know, sometimes I just want to put this in and just take a receptionist job." <laughs> and, was, and for at the time, I was probably like twenty-two, and I was like, "I don't." I even understand that you have this business you own, but I'm a, I'm also like, no, there is a point where it's just like all of this managing people and their lives and what they bring to it. It probably is nice to just take a little break. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I'm doing. I'm a general manager of a restaurant, but I, I want to work for me. Like right. my career isn't, isn't uh, about, you know, accounting to somebody else. It's about creating and loving what I do and being who I am and, and being able to have that freedom to express like, Okay, these kids are tattletelling on me for being inappropriate. And like, uh-uh. like it's it's bizarre. Like I don't understand it. Like I had I I, I somebody bumped into I bumped into their boob or they bumped into my boob and I'm like and they're like I'm so sorry. And I was like no worries. I I enjoyed it and walked away. And I got in trouble for that. No. Were you supposed to be offended? <laughs> I, I don't know what I was supposed to be, but I'm I'm this person and I've been this person for so long that it's hard to rework myself into a corporate structure knowing that I say shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I can't stop saying shit. <laughs> and yeah, I I don't know if there's a new puritanism that's rising up in the in the twenty somethings or what, but I'm just like, really, really. Yeah, I I mean I felt it a little bit. You know, you kind of people just. Um, I mean, I don't have a job where uh, you know when you're the boss, things are different. You know, <laughs> I think that when you're the boss, things are different, and you kind of got to be a little bit different about how you say and how you are. But yeah, it's like, you know, we're used to anything flies in a comedy club, you know, and it's, you can just say it and go for it. Um, But it's all different. But I also yeah. think too, like, you know, thinking about what you were saying of, you know, you, you have this job and you, you took a, a, a job that pays you decent, but like when you can't, when then the pandemic prevents you from at least like going and having fabulous experiences because you have this job that's making money, then you're just really trapped in the space. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's kind of what I, what I felt like I've, I feel trapped. I feel I felt stuck. I think the moment I decided that that I'm probably going to get my notice and just really reinvigorate my business and go back for back to it and just go for it, that the feeling of that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Why did I why did I take this detour? I took the detour to get my needs met. But also, girl, (laughs) you're headed back on stage. Yeah. Um. I did a headlining spot at Stevens Point Pride. Big time, guys. Oh, my God. Stevens Point, Wisconsin has pride. That's amazing. Yes, it is amazing. Wow, pride is everywhere. I love and, that. Yeah. And did a, I know, right? <laughs> and did a, there's no pride in my hometown, though. There's none. There's no pride. <laughs> there's so. So being back on stage and I host the moth in Milwaukee. So once a month that gave me a lot of you know, really great energy, but, but I've been on stage quite a few times over the last few weeks and it's, it's where I belong. It's what I do. It's who I am. And I love it. And and so, yeah, I'm back on stage. I'm, I'm teaching again. I'm all the things I really love to do. And through teaching, I'm able to empower people uh, or give them the tools to empower themselves. And, and I feel like I just did an interview with a newspaper yesterday and the guy's like, what does comedy mean to you? And I'm like, comedy has saved my life in more ways than I think I realize. Like even just going through this really shitty year and a half, two years, you know, where I like I woke up every day and I was like, I don't want to live. I'm not I'm not actively suicidal, but I'm just slowly waiting for death. You know, like that's kind of how I Mm -hmm. felt. And I went to my therapist and I was like, I've been scared to get back on antidepressants because when I got the first time, I had some really, like, really crazy moments. And so, but when I went to my therapist and I was like, I'm ready to wake up and not want to die. And I'm, I, I want to either live my life or just leave this plane of existence. Like, like I'm not tied to life, you know, I'm like, I'm good to go anytime, but I'm not going to do it to myself, you know? And I think that. I, if I didn't have humor in my life, if I didn't have comedy, if I didn't have something um, like this in my life that I would have not made it through. Yeah. I mean, I understand my dog (laughs) and your dog, because also like, you know, everybody has gone through multiple challenges and, you know, COVID happens and then 
you know, when there is something horrible that happens, be it a pandemic or anything, it happens, you know, it affects people, the, the most marginalized people, people of color. And then we're just seeing the hatred towards women and then the hatred towards trans folks and the hatred towards everything. And so society just keeps putting their finger up to you and saying you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. That's just too much. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, you're it living is. a trifecta of being a woman, being a trans woman, being like, you know, you're just like you're in all the boxes <laughs> that yeah. people are like, I don't really think you deserve part of the pie. Yeah. And we all know that the religious right after they like squelch abortion, that they're coming after us. Like, yeah, it, literally all of us, all of us. <laughs> All of us here. All of us. Like, literally all of us. <laughs> and and knowing that, like, because when all this started, I guess it started a long time ago, but like when it started this year, like, I'm like, they really don't want me to exist, you know, like they really don't want me to live. And 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 I don't know if I can exist in this world. Like, it's hard. It's scary mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Well, and that's why it's just like not okay. Like it's why I just get so bored with the comedians, Chappelle and all this other shit where Uh. it's just like, you know what? I must say things that are funny. And I, and I, and it's like, why must you say things? You, you, all of us who write material censor ourselves and don't do jokes. Like what is it? Who benefits? No one who's harmed everyone. Mm. Also, sometimes it's not funny. You could just not. Yeah, it's it's low hanging fruit for heteronormative cisgender people. Yes, 100 percent. Those people that are comfortable with their privilege, comfortable with their middle class lives that are white, that have no divert, no uh, adversity in their lives. They're the people who are laughing at that. Yeah. Um, And that is. That is the worst thing, because I don't know, like, as I keep hearing comics all the time, be like, comedy should be offensive. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be offensive. It just needs to have a point of view and be funny. It has to be funny. Yeah, it has to be funny. You know, I've done jokes that are I I think are smart. And it turns out it's just kind of a statement, you know, (laughs) like it's it's smart, but it's not funny. And like that shit just doesn't live in my act. I have you have to be able to do both. I mean, there are a couple that I love so much that I don't get a laugh on that. I'm just like, (laughs) I'm just going to do it because I love this joke. (laughs) Jokes for your joy. (laughs) Jokes for your joy. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, Um, totally that. I'm glad that you see a way forward and that I'm like, you know, life is shitty and you're like, I'm on antidepressants and I'm going to get up every day and be my best Dina. And what would you give advice to somebody who is like kind of in your space where, you, you know, kind of having that, that lull over your head. Like, what would you say to folks to get them to up, get up and, and re-examine how they are going to seize the world? If you're stuck in a rut that you're so miserable, find a way out. I, I think that over the last few weeks, I've realized how short this life is. But what I, I, I think that I would just say, try to find, look for your joy, however you can find it. And if something is not making you happy, if something is sucking the life out of you, either stop doing it or reevaluate how you do it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's wise. Yeah, we never take time to take stock. I think that's good. Love that. I love that too. 
Dang. Dina, thanks for coming and joining us. I mean, thank you for having me. I was thinking the last time I saw you, it's funny for you to talk about not being on stage because the last time I saw her, she was performing, but also it was like a billion years ago. I know. It was. It was like a billion years. But we'll do Why? it again when AAF gets back out on the road. You'll join us. We'll be we'll be out again, slaying the bad guys and making a difference. And I cannot wait to see you when I head back through Wisconsin. I'm going to look you up, my friend. Please do. You know where my office is and I'll be here I most do. of the time. <laughs> I do. Love you, Dina. Tell people Love where you. they can find you. Um, you can find me at Dina Nina XO on all the social medias, Dina Nina XO on all the socials and Dina Nina.com is my website. Fantastic. Dina Nina. We love you. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Dina Nina, for being so awesome. Now we're just going to start shelling you with stuff you need to do. You need to subscribe, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you help more people learn about this assault on abortion access. And we need you support more than ever. To keep up with all the latest repro news, follow us on the socials at Abortion Front, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and at Abortion Access Front on YouTube and TikTok. FBK Live is edited by Remy Duturne and is produced by Abortion Access Front. Media alert! It's (laughs) It's Father's Day weekend and to celebrate, AAF teamed up with W. Kamau Bell, comedian Josh Healy, and author of Go the Fuck to Sleep, Adam Masbach, for a hilarious video about why dads should be thanking birth control and abortion. You can watch it on the Abortion Access Front YouTube channel and see Kamau and Liz promoting it on MSNBC tomorrow, Saturday the 18th at 9 a.m. Yes, tune in. And also, activism alert we've been pushing it we're gonna start pushing it harder save the date july 17th kicks off operation save abortion with all of us panicking about what to do after the fall of roe aaf has a plan join us for operation save abortion it's a live stream training day with the coolest activists from all around the countries and from all aspects of abortion advocacy helping you decide how to get your activism on so gather your friends for a house party and watch on July 17th. For more info on what the day is going to be like and how to register, go to operationsaveabortion.com. And on this podcast next week, look out! Actor, author, and activist Busy Phillips is here, along with Executive Director of Indigenous Women Rising, Rachel Lorenzo. That's right. And give us money plug. Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Look. We do this whole thing for free. So you need to join our Patreon and you'll support great content and get cool merch and experiences. All the pledges support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Roe is burning and together we can put this fire out. So make your Patreon pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. And we leave you with a man who wants all the show your whole ass participation trophies. All of them. What I'll be satisfied with, I'll be satisfied when abortion is 100% banned across the board, regardless of the cause. Zero exceptions. What about, no, I don't care. Banned. No, you cannot have it. 
Also, I'll be satisfied, and these are all kind of in tandem, I'll be satisfied when the doctors who are performing these abortions are put to death, shed their blood. And, and really, they need to die hundreds or thousands of times over, depending on how many procedures they've done. And also, I will be satisfied when women who have an abortion are put to death. And you say, whoa, that's hardcore. Is it? Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.